Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Starts tomorrow in the Senate. Each side gets 24 hours to talk. That should be plenty. That doesn't mean the the House, the impeachment guys, the Democrats get Tuesday, and the the Republicans or the administration gets Wednesday. 24 hours of testimony. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. Actual. Yeah. Actual 24 so hours. So three eight of- hour workdays. Yeah, uh, McConnell's expected to call for 12 hour days to try to get it done faster. But that's still a lot. And it's going to be exactly the same stuff you heard before. I mean, you're not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. But same people saying the same stuff. So anyway, that starts tomorrow. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Good. Adam Schiff with his bullshit again? Now, we haven't heard from the president's defense team. Correct. They will be repeating some of the talking points that we've heard heretofore. But I'm sure they'll also have some new wrinkles. 
Um, and the New York Times, uh, they endorsed two candidates instead of one. They went with Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren to cover the liberal wing and the moderate wing, so nobody would be mad at them. So I everyone likes them. Yes, we want everyone to like us, so we're not going to choose one person, because then people who don't like that person wouldn't like us. That's your old gray lady. Wow. Maybe more on that later. But it is MLK Day. Well, it's the Monday that government workers get off closest to his birthday. And bankers. Bankers. <laughs> Inexplicably. Educators. Who are government workers. My son's out of school. In fact, he's got a sleepover at one of his friends' house. Oh, coolness. Yeah. Good for him. Pretty exciting. There was a birthday. There, I think there was five of them there. I was getting pictures last night from uh, from the other kid's mom, and they looked like they were having quite the party. Excellent. Yeah. They were planning to stay up all night long, which is always the plan for kids that age. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. what the appeal is. Of course. Ugh, I've done it. There ain't much. Yeah, it's uh, as great as it Because it's unexplored land. The sure. oppressive parents are always making us go to bed. But it's true. It is like the dark side of the moon. Yeah. You know, it's an exploration into a place you've never been before. I wonder how late they stayed up. I don't know. Uh, the next morning, shame. Shame is what you will feel the next morning. I shouldn't have had that second root beer. <laughs> shame, shame and regret. Shame. 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 USA Today's got a little poll here broken down by race on MLK Day. It's pretty interesting. Views on racial inequity, inequity, uh, broken down by black and white. And as uh, you might expect, completely different views of a variety of topics. By the way, I happened to uh, read a piece over the weekend, and it was pointing out some of the insanity of Washington State's politics these days. Um, it was actually sent to us by Peter Bogosian. Um, who's an activist on this stuff, but it was quite interesting. Equity is the new super hot term that means whatever those yelling at you want it to mean, look out for it. It's the new fairness. Okay. Um, so people were asked whether or not you see little or no progress toward equality over a half century in these areas. Over the last 50 years, little or no progress uh, on these topics. Wow, I'll withhold my comment. Equal economic opportunities. Equal economic opportunities for blacks and whites. 21% of white people say there's been little or no progress. 51% of black people say there's been little or no progress. Half. Wow. It goes up from here. Well, you know, I do have to remind myself we're talking about since 1970 and not, you know, 60. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, although that's still an insane point of view and totally ignores history. But Political representation, little or no progress, 56% of black people say there's been little or no progress. I just don't think that's statistically true. No, that's delusional. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's it's demonstrably untrue, like to an amazing extent. That's like saying there are fewer teams in the NFL now than there were in 1966. That's just demonstrably false. That's the lowest number that white people agreed with, 18%. you got 18% of white people saying that's true. That's just, Man, the number of of black legislators in the state houses and the federal government is exploded. That's that's an interesting one, because that's the only one that you can, like, just look at the numbers on. (laughs) I mean, you can just look up how many, you know, black mayors, governors, representatives, senators. You can just look this one up. The other ones, you can't. For instance, fair coverage by media. Close to 60% of black people say there's uh, been little or no progress in fair coverage by the media. Wow. Or 20, oh. 21% of white people say that. 
Well, that's interesting. You look at the whole Michael Brown thing. I mean, that particular story. That was way over. That, that was, was like sh- shaded the other direction. Well, yeah, that was not fair at all, but it was allegedly, purportedly, like extra sympathetic to black people, which <clears throat> is really an insult to black people because it suggests that they don't have a capacity for understanding the truth or evidence or whatever. Your top two are complicated. Criminal justice system. Little or no progress in racial uh, equity, being equal. Um, In the criminal justice system, 66% of black people think there's been no progress in 50 years, two-thirds. 40% of white people believe that. 40% of white people. Boy, see, that's just sad. That's tragic. Um, There's been great progress, not nearly enough. See, I would grant that, but the idea that, there's been little or no. It's just, it's just false. You know, I read this. Uh, great... It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Uh, when you got mobs in the street, it's whether or not people believe it. Right. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Read this uh, editorialist. Uh, well, it was a, just a, it was an autobiographical opinion piece by this black woman over the weekend who was, um, she grew up in very difficult circumstances um, and ended up with three kids by the time she was 25 and can't remember if her husband died or flaked or whatever, but she was in incredibly difficult circumstances. But she um, just absolutely knocked herself out, got multiple college degrees, and raised her kids. And and she is preaching mightily and persuasively that the permanent grievance culture is the most terrible poison ever fed to black America because it convinces them they can't achieve, they can't have a good life, and they shouldn't even try. She's beside herself, practically frantic with concern that this point of view is catching on. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's tragic. But it's politically incredibly useful. Man, I'm tempted to bring up the Chancellor of Germany. Um, he, he and others, <laughs> they nurse this sense of... Is that an aside, or is that part of this little speech? Uh, I mean, is that just something that pops into your head a lot? Just, I'm, I'm not going to, though. Okay. But leaders throughout history have realized nursing a sense of grievance is the best way to get people's support. Convince them that they've been cheated, and those people over there are the ones cheating them. Oh, by the way, I threw this out earlier. Um, uh, and, and by the way, those politicians, they don't give a crap about you and your life. Are you kidding? They, they are knowingly and, and, and enthusiastically telling you the opposite of what is good for you. They are feeding you poison to enhance their own power. I apologize for that. Finally. Kind of a separate topic, kind of not. Um, every year we do this whole MLK thing, and the whole country does, and people play 30 seconds from the I Have a Dream speech and say it wasn't that good, and everybody goes on about their day. Right. But how is Martin Luther King Jr. seen uh, among young, woke people? I don't actually know the answer to that. Is he, uh, is he a leading light, or is he an impediment, something that you overlook? Can, can any of Anybody inform me of that? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. I have a fine email on that topic. Oh, cool. I want to hear that. But then let me get to the the last one of these. Views on racial inequity, little or no progress, fair treatment by the police. 73% of black people say there's been no progress in fair treatment by the police. That's, that's, That's rough. Almost three quarters. And 40% of white people say that. No progress since 1970. I don't have any personal knowledge of that. It just seems so unlikely. But what do I know? You know, I, I have not I've, I've not been black or white 
in, you know, certain neighborhoods of L.A., for instance. Right, but, well, and listen, you can't require that everybody, everybody be a student of everything. That's kind of our job. But the enormous reforms that have taken place in the LAPD, in the Chicago PD, New York PD, all sorts of uh, medium-sized cities uh, around America. Surely the South is significantly better. Oh, absolutely. Than it was in 1970. The New Orleans PD. I mean, just specific, massive reforms of these giant police departments I'm familiar with. The idea that there's been no progress. I mean, maybe maybe it's that, uh, and you know, I'm going to throw on my charitable hat. I can't, I can't even find it anymore. But if I were to throw it on, I'd say, listen, this is the age of hyperbole. And nobody gets on Twitter and says, I would respectfully like to point out a flaw or two I see with your argument. No, everybody screams that you ought to be uh, hanged and, and you're a Nazi and the rest of it. So maybe saying there's been no progress is the 21st century way of saying I'm not happy with the amount of progress there needs to be more. I don't know. Everybody's got to be over the top, everything they say. We get the emails every time. You guys are terrible human beings. You're Nazis, and I hate you because of what you said. And then I'll write back, and I'll say, listen, what we meant was this. Um, or, or, or did you hear our whole conversation? They'll write back, yeah, sorry, listen, I love your show, and I usually sorry love the what Nazi you guys thing. say. I just I got a little over the top, but keep up the good work. So I just, I don't know. But that's, that's, that's discouraging. It is. Anyway, that's where we are. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So uh, here's the note on Martin Luther King Jr. in college. Uh, it's uh, it's Bill, William. Hate to be the one to break this to you guys, but MLK is completely irrelevant on my college campus. That's what I assumed. I assumed it's just a non-factor. I'm a political science major. I've taken several history classes, and we've learned everything from how terrible of a person Columbus was to what a womanizing piece of garbage Cortez was. I never hear MLK's name. I think for the most part he's been left out of history because what he advocated for, uh, the new progressives think separate but equal was correct, and racial segregation is necessary. Just look at Harvard and Yale's racially segregated graduation ceremonies. When I walk around campus, I hear racism everywhere, countless N-bombs, and guess who they're coming from? Yeah, mostly the black students. The very epitome of racism. Words are bad depending on the color of the skin who's saying the words. I've also taken a terrorism class where we're able to do a project of our own choosing. The vast majority of the class chose to do Trump and the rise of white supremacy, of course, in a 99% white class. All everyone did was fake the mainstream media, take the mainstream media talking points and put them in presentation form, completely and totally unverified. So, does anybody else uh, want to weigh in on that? I'd just be interested throughout the day to hear from people. Where, where does MLK fit into the actual conversation anymore? It, it, it doesn't seem like it has that much relevance to me. Uh, just really a token, like you know, tip of the cap to the speech, and then just go on. Right. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Second down and nine. Here he is again. Touchdown is third. Is that Al Michaels? Uh, no, that was Buck. 
Oh, that was, yeah, Joe Buck. That's right. I don't like Al Michaels. I thought Al Michaels got to be 100 years old. Who has the Super Bowl? Fox? Uh, uh, yeah, Joe Buck, I believe, is doing the call. Uh, and his dad, Jack Buck, I think I did Super Bowl number four, something like that. Oh, wow. So some, some kind of broadcaster legacy. 49ers, Chiefs. Did you watch both games? Oh, what a matchup. Every second of each one. So yes. who's going to win, then? You're the perfect person that's to why, ask. What the heck? That's why you they should play know. the game. I don't know. We got to have a feeling. <sighs> J-Lo's the halftime show, correct? I believe. Yeah, I think you know, that's right. I don't know. How sportsy do you want to get? Not very, probably. Well, I, I tell you what. <sighs> Patrick An Mahomes. An immovable force meets an unstoppable object or there's something. A, there's a bit of that. <laughs> uh, the uh, Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs score points more quickly and easily than really any team I've ever watched. And the Niners occasionally have trouble with running quarterbacks because their pass rush is so aggressive, they get upfield and the uh, running quarterback says, wow, they're, they're kind of behind me now. What's ahead of me? No humans. And they take off running. And, uh, I, and, and granted, the Niners who have a great defense are going to be scheming for that and thinking about that, but as a Niners fan, and, and you know, the five years I lived in Kansas, I was rooting for the Chiefs, um, I'm a little concerned. As a Niners fan, I'm concerned. The Chiefs are really tough to stop. Mm. Chiefs are the favorite. One point favorite. Mm. Uh, both J Lo and Shakira will be at the halftime show. My yes. prediction is shaking. <laughs> there will be a lot of buttocks shaking. Maximum shakage. Yeah. My new 4K television. 50 year old J Lo's buttocks shaking in my face. Oh, man. There you go. Hey, Bloomberg has just announced he's prepared to spend $2 billion to defeat Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah, you thought it was a big deal when I said $1 billion? Now it's $2 billion. So what do you think? Whatever. Of that? Whatever. Two billion dollar, two billion dollar. Yeah, 2.1. 2.1 More on that later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I want to get this right. Um hang on a second. I got one more wacky statistic for you. Uh read the, the 49ers game. Uh there it is. Give it to me. It was a, a crazy, weird game. The 49ers running attack was so successful, they almost never threw the ball. Um, I wonder, how many how many passes did uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throw for the Niners? Was it nine passes? I think it was eight. Eight passes. All game long. In the modern era? Yeah. That's like a game from the 50s. Well, and, and they asked uh, the coach of the I Niners. I think the Ford pass is an abomination. Uh, they they asked the uh, the plucky coach of the uh, the Niners, uh, Mr. Shanahan, after the game, why did you do that? He said, because it was working. Kyle Shanahan. Because when you throw the ball, only three things can happen, and two of them are bad. You run it. <laughs> three yards and a cloud of dust. Smash my football. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Raheem Mostert, you know, that's... Who's the prettiest quarterback? Has that been nailed down? That's a tough oh, one, right? Is this one. the prettiest quarterback matchup in the history no. of the NFL? No. Last week was. The the Vikings quarterback. Uh, Tannehill? No. No, Vikings. Oh, the Vikings quarterback. Justin Timberlake, Cousins? the quarterback. Is that for yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He, he's movie star handsome, as is Jimmy Garoppolo. It was the dreamiest football game ever. Well, and obviously but the Mahomes dude is a... Here's, here's Mahomes a, here's, got more of a coolness to him. Mm. Yeah, Mahomes is the human highlight reel. But he, here's a human interest story you might enjoy. Raheem Mostert is the 49ers' number one running back. He got cut by six teams... 
He was an undrafted kid out of college. He was cut by every team he joined. He finally latched on to the, the practice squad, which is the I'm not even a real 49er squad. And he worked and he worked and he worked. And the coaches said, we got to give this guy some sort of chance. Had a trouble, had a little trouble with fumbling the ball, but he worked on it, worked on it. And, and he just set the all-time record for most um, most yards by a 49er in any game, in a playoff game, and second in the NFL all-time list of most yards gained in a uh, a playoff game. There's a guy who just would not give up. He's, he's a, he's a, a well-spoken, a, a humble dad, and just a beautiful guy. So if you know. like rooting for humans instead of laundry, he's a nice human. Chiefs 49ers, two unfortunate mascots. We'll have to discuss that. I'll just put one asterisk next to this. Impeachment has been great for business on the Trump campaign. They've raised a lot of money. Oh, have they ever. Have they ever. And the extent to which this has grown their fundraising base and actually really engaged the Republican uh, donors, but also the grassroots. They've collected data. They've already got a formidable data machine, text messages, Facebook. I mean, it's been significant. Raising a lot of money on the Trump side off of impeachment. And uh, Michael Bloomberg out today that, oh, and Bernie raising money, a lot of money, obviously. Bernie, one of the people running for president that has to be in Washington, D.C. for the trial on the short days, he's going to fly back to Iowa to campaign. That's how much money he's got. Whereas an Amy Klobuchar, for instance, doesn't have the money to be able to fly back and forth from D.C. to Iowa. Bernie oh, she can afford to do airfare? Well, she, I'm sure she could fly, you know, southwest or something, but... You'd get there, have 45 minutes, and then turn around and come back. Yeah. Bernie can do the whole chartered plane thing because he's got oh, that kind man. of money. Yeah. Um, and Michael Bloomberg, he, he got a lot of attention when a couple of weeks ago he announced he's willing to spend a billion dollars to get elected president. And even more amazing than that, if he's not the nominee, he'll spend a billion dollars on somebody else as long as it's not Trump, even if it's somebody he doesn't agree with. Well, it's now out that he's prepared to spend up to $2 billion. I, I think you'd be running out of places to put your money. You can only run so many ads. Now, what else are you going to spend your money on? Yeah. Ads on the Armstrong and Getty show. More T-shirts. At exorbitant rates. But anyway. Which is actually illegal. It's kind of interesting. Nobody, Nobody's ever tried this before. Let's see what happens if you just have basically unlimited money to spend. I'm, I'm just asking you this uh, constitutionally. Would it be uh, acceptable to say... Uh, I don't know, identify certain opinion leaders in America and, and write them enormous checks oh, I to could, say that you oh, would be a great president. I, I could, whatever whatever you want me to, yeah. What do you want me to talk about? Oh, yeah. What direction yeah. do you want me to go? How much, how much do you need to completely prostitute yourself? Half a million dollars. And I'll say anything. And then the, it's a tiered uh, system. I'm Half a sure, million dollars sure and I'll say enough practically anything. I'd need a little more. Yeah. But it is a tiered system. How then so? you get down to like twenty thousand dollars, I might uh, you know I might leave out a, a bad story that comes, uh, about you. That's oh, I see. Just not so you, you can be day. bought a la carte. Exactly. No, see, I I think that I'm either honest or I'm a, a, an intellectual <sighs> prostitute. So you're just going to turn a trick occasionally, but not view yourself as a sex worker. See, I think you're either all in or you're all out. <laughs> I want to be bought. But what an inter- <laughs> what an interesting experiment. Oh, yeah. In that, uh, I don't think Bloomberg's going to get the nomination. So this is what you have in an effect. 
you have a billionaire who doesn't like the sitting president and decides, I'm going to spend whatever i got to spend to get them out of office. Yeah. If it turns out you can do that, then how many billionaires are there in the United States? You could look that up. Uh, Loads. Sean. There are quite a few. And certainly internationally. And I don't know if All you right. follow this. International money has a way of kind of finding its way yeah. into campaigns. Um, it's not supposed to, but it does. 607 billionaires. So, so you, you go. so you got around 600 people that can, in effect, say, I don't like this guy or woman. Yeah. <laughs> in theory, a woman. <laughs> just for, president. Just for um, the sake of the thought exercise, though, I guarantee you 25 of those guys both have multi-billions and are that political. So I don't think it's disputable. You, have you hate Bush, people. you hate Obama, you right. hate Trump, you hate whoever. What if we find out a billionaire can get that person out of office by just swarming you with negative news about whoever it is? That'd be something. That changes. I don't know what that does. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I do not know. Huh. Speaking of the intersection of politics and technology, uh, a couple of things have, have come to my attention that I thought were just so interesting and and a little uh, Orwellian and troubling, too, but... The fact that Prince Harry has broken his silence? Um, no. Uh, first of all... Kill me. First... <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect use of that clip. Um, we had an email, I can't... Pointing out that The Simpsons is the birthplace of the best Kill Me Now clip ever. Oh, really? Is it Krusty? I can't remember. Um, anyway, a couple of stories uh, at the intersection of politics and information. Number one, and I have just started digging into this, but there is a tech company based out of Australia that has invented a tool that is, it has to do with facial recognition that is so far superior to anything any government or other tech companies come up with so far. It is a, 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 a paradigm shift. The, the soon, whoever holds these tools will know where everybody is all the time if they so choose. Um, certainly, if you walk down a public street, hmm. um, which uh, a lot of folks, perhaps you, think, well, I don't have any problem with that. I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, and maybe at some point we'll we'll return to a theme we have through the years, which is the way being surveilled changes everyone's behavior. Everyone acts differently, lives differently, speaks differently when they know they're being surveilled. Um, whether you're doing something quote-unquote wrong or not, it's insidious. Anyway, but we'll get more into that tech company uh, as I read more about it. But the other thing I thought that was great, a, a friend of Armstrong and Getty sent this along. Um, and, and they're talking about how a surveillance state operates in the modern era. And I thought this was so interesting. They triage TOTOC, which is an Apple app that the American intelligence community has claimed was a spy tool used by the UAE, United Arab Emirates. Mm, run by MBZ. Here's how it works. This app simply does what it claims to do and really nothing more. Assuming the claims that TOTOC is actually designed to spy on its users, the legitimate functionality of the app is really the genius of the whole mass surveillance operation. There are no exploits, no backdoors, no malware. Again, just legitimate functionality that likely afforded in-depth insight in a large percentage of your country's population. Think about it this way. You're a rather surveillance-happy government who'd love to monitor your citizens. In five easy steps, you ban popular apps such as WhatsApp, Skype, or, or something like that. 
Now, how this would happen in the U.S., you might be able to knock out certain apps through, I don't know, through adverse media coverage or warnings or something like that. But this is mostly already down the road to being oppressive regimes. You ban popular apps. Then you create a free alternative app that provides this banned functionality. You submit the app to the iOS App Store, the Apple App Store, where it's readily approved by Apple. Then you create fake reviews and social media posts that recommend the application. Then you wait as citizens of your country readily embrace the app and its popularity soars. And, by the way, this has already happened multiple times in China and the Arab world. It's not a fantasy. Hooray! Now you have access to users' address books, chats, location, and more in a completely legitimate Apple-approved manner. Now, such collection provides a sufficient phase one. It's just like the NSA in the U.S. Remember their bulk metadata collection? They weren't listening to what you were saying. They were just looking at who you were talking to and for how long and who those people talk to and who those people talk to. Um, Once you know who's talking to whom or perhaps even what they're saying because you have access to the chats, you know those long, uh, I agree, things that nobody ever reads. Well, this is in the agreement. Um, You can identify specific specific individuals of interest and target them with more advanced capabilities. This phase, two includes more traditional offensive cyber operations, which are far more targeted, stealthy, and invasive, and expensive. However, such a phase is far more expensive and difficult to scale, and thus requires a solid phase one component, like TOTOC, like they're talking about. So, and you can bet the UAE is not the only government engaged in this, writes our uh, our tech expert listener. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. You don't need the NSA and our incredible tools. Just get everybody to embrace three, four, five apps, and then that's your phase one. Wah, wah, wah. Enslavement. Did you just wah, wah, enslavement? Speaking of Apple and whatnot, I found this in a drawer yesterday and a cord to charge it up, so I thought I would bring it in. It's the original iPhone. Oh, my. That I bought a week after That's the iPhone came out. That's worth $5 million dollars I don't know about that. But the fact that I still could charge it up and look at it is kind of cool, what it looked like back in the day. This is the original iPhone. Look how tiny that thing is, how thick it is, how tiny it is, and how bad the... Uh, oh, my goodness. And how big the... Or how bad the quality of the, the, the screen is. It's tiny, but it's thick. Pass that over here, Sean, to the co-host, <laughs> would you? Isn't that, isn't that something, though? A little bit of lag on the screen switch. I, I won't know it's something till I get it. Thank you. Here we go. Holy cow, it's tiny. It is tiny. Tiny and blurry. Of course, I'm you know getting a little older, so maybe I no, should it hold is, it, it away from myself. It is blurry. It didn't seem blurry at the time. It, remember, at the time, it just seemed absolutely amazing. Yeah. What what I was thinking about when I got when I got that phone out of the drawer yesterday and charged I'll it up is is how I had no idea and nobody had a, any idea. You know, I went from my regular flip phone flip phone cell phone that I never stared at ever one time in my whole life <laughs> um, to this, and of course I had no idea when I purchased this that I would hold something like this in my hand for the rest of my life, staring at it multiple hours a day, including while other people are talking to, to me. To the exclusion of actual humans. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just mind-blowing to me. And I, and I don't believe Steve Jobs or anybody else had any idea of that either. Oh, I don't think so. No, no it just kind of happened. Um, I, I will remind us all that in the early days of Facebook, they were talking about how to compel people to spend more and more and more time on social media. 
So that was intentional. But no, I don't think Steve Jobs did. I mean, I remember raving when I got my first iPhone that it made an adult out of me. Yeah, I knew where I was supposed to be and when with the calendar. I bought this phone for the iPod. I remember reading reviews saying it's the greatest iPod ever invented, and I didn't have an iPod. So I thought, ah, well, I need a new phone, right. so I'll get a cool iPod. And I can listen to tunes. Not because I'm going to have everything in the world, you know, the world's greatest camera and every bit of information I need, and I'll stare at this multiple hours a day, and I'll read all my books and newspapers. No, none, none of that yeah. was on my mind. Yeah. Wild. Hey, you know what I love is the new Bud Light commercials. No, I'm sorry, Miller Light commercials. That And, and I wish I had the taglines in front of me, but... Could you tell a Miller Lite from a Bud Light with blindfolded? I think I could, yeah, because I've I've consumed a fair amount of each, yeah. Um, but uh, it'd be an interesting bet. So, oh, uh, their theme is hey, real friends hanging out with your buds. Uh, the one tagline is something to the effect of a few real friends are worth more than a thousand online ones. And uh, what was the uh, oh? There's this other one where this cute girl sitting at the bar and this uh, ridiculously handsome dude comes up with a couple of Bud Lights. He stands next to her. She's staring at her phone, flipping, 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 and he sets down the Bud Light and goes <laughs> goes away. And it says, if you're spending all your time flipping left, maybe look up and, and blah, 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 and there's the guy of her dreams and... You know, she goes over and, and ends up with him, of course, but she because this... you don't want bitterness and loneliness to be the theme of your beer commercial. <laughs> Although, bitterness and loneliness has drowned more beers, I think, oh, than, right, right, yeah. than the quest for love. But so you're thinking that, that, that maybe that's an emerging theme that other people nod their head and agree to. Yeah, I, I, we're not the only ones feeling oh, this. Sure. Heck, sure. um, and, and I think a, a gigantic brewing conglomerate... Um, deciding, hey, this is a really good way to sell zillions of dollars worth of beer, speaks to their fact that they think that perception is more and more widespread, hmm. which makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a big article in the New York Times over the weekend with a new study saying uh, the whole staring at your phone social media thing isn't near as bad as people think. The, yes, the, it the, is. The cries of, uh, are, are, are overblown. Maybe we'll talk about that later. The, the New York Times, is that the cowardly, formerly great newspaper that just endorsed two candidates? Yeah, we should talk Hilarious. about that. Also, um, we'll uh, explain their reasoning. At least one university where Martin Luther King Jr. is problematic, according to them. And why they uh, try to stay away from the whole problematic. Thing. I love that word. That's a hot. That's a hot word right now. Yeah. Um. But anyway, all in the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I got the horses in the back. Horse tack is attached. Hat is matte black. I got the boots as black to match. Riding on a horse. Ah! You can whip your Porsche off. I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch now. Can nobody tell me nothing? You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Sam Elliott reading the lyrics to Old Town Road, which that, that is my favorite part of the song. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the horses black to match. Oh, 
boy. What was that? Gucci on my booty. Something. Wrangler, Wrangler on my booty. <laughs> right. Cowboy hat from Gucci. Is that yeah, what it was? It. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's very, awesome. Very cowboy. That's awesome. I'm fuming. <laughs> I've heard lots of cowboys talking like that. So, did you hear about the... I'm sorry, you had more? You hear this? You see this? In a, I'm quoting now from the New York Times, which used to be a respected newspaper, kids. In a break with convention, the editorial board has chosen to endorse two separate Democratic candidates for president. I'm not sure they understand how the election works. <laughs> anyway, they uh, endorsed Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. Um, and, and their reasoning is absolutely delightful. First of all, well, they say American voters must choose between three sharply divergent visions of the future. The incumbent president, Donald Trump, is clear about One in where... which the planet is ruled by apes. <laughs> they don't mention the AP one. <laughs> the incumbent president, Donald Trump, is clear about where he is guiding the Republican Party. White nativism at home and American first unilateralism abroad. Brazen corruption, escalating culture wars, a judiciary stacked with ideologues, and the veneration of a mythological past where the hierarchy in American society was defined and unchallenged. Well, that's, well, that's fair. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. That's just hilarious. That's uh, This is what happens in uh, thought bubbles, in, uh, you know, groupthink. Anyway. Uh, They go on. On the Democratic side, an essential debate is underway between two visions that may define the future of the party and perhaps the nation. I read that whole dang article, and it was really long. Yeah. Their uh, their description. I thought it was interesting that they weeded out your two top candidates, though, burning Biden just on being too old. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. They, They said both of those guys are just too old. Stealing my bit. You know what's interesting is that they they say the real difference is be well they say it's. Um, they just, most of the candidates have similar positions. It's a question of whether you have to tear down the institutions of this country or not. Oh, and yeah. Amy Klobuchar says, "Not really. We can we can you know get this to happen." And uh, Elizabeth Warren, the great radical, wants to tear it all down. But they ignore the fact that Elizabeth Warren is a big fat phony, and that a lot of you know real progressive progressives um, will say so over and over again. Um, I think you called me a liar on national TV. But yeah, they, good. they essentially say, look, Liz Warren wins. She'll uh, bring in the good stuff one way. Amy Klobuchar wins. She'll bring in the good stuff her way. Either way, it's one of them two we can't pick. They said uh, Mayor Pete's never gotten more than 11,000 candidates in any election, which is true. That's yeah. how they dismissed him. They said uh, the angster uh, has never been in, in the political office, so they dismissed him for that. Um, I, de- I thought this sentence was interesting, though. That's why Trump got elected, by the way, because he was not a politician. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, nearly any of, any of the candidates running would be the most progressive president in decades, Yep. said the New York Times. So people are going to hang that around them. I mean, the Republicans will hang that around whoever the candidate is. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I hate to get... I hate to give the New York Times credit for anything these days because they're obnoxious, but they do say we worry about ideological rigidity and overreach, and we'd certainly push back on specific policy proposals like nationalizing health insurance or decriminalizing the border. That stuff is too crazy for the New York Times. That's something. And you had all of them raise their hands. I'm for free uh, health care for illegals there. And several of them walked it back, uh, you know. And the, the fact that they can walk at all without spines is really quite amazing. 
um, and, and a tribute to their courage. But So there's where the New York Times is these days. We were wondering on this MLK Day where college campuses or young people or maybe even a lot of uh, woke black people are on MLK. Is he still cool? Is he still somebody to revere? Is he getting in the way of the idea of uh, anti-racism and all that sort of thing? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We have at least one university which finds MLK problematic. We'll talk about that on the way. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.